Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad and Hoffman. Hello, everybody. I'm not going to do the hey, 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 because that's, that's me. Matt's thing. That's, that's me. That's thing. That's yeah, what I do. That's his thing. He's got that copyrighted, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing that one. Anyways, so welcome back, guys, to the Pure Victory Podcast. And excited today because I got a good buddy of mine on, Keith Johnston. He's going to be sharing his story. And for those of you that don't know Keith, he's based here in Alberta and Edmonton. He's the executive director of Shiloh Youth Ranch. I don't want to do the disservice of trying to explain what that is. I'll let Keith do that later. But (laughs) an amazing ministry to at-risk youth and teens and kids. And um, so we really encourage you to check that out. Good ministry, but also a good guy. Thanks, Keith, for being here. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. <laughs> so we wanted to talk today about your story and not not everything about your story, but one area of your story. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, we're, this podcast, we talk about getting porn on your life, dealing with porn. And that's kind of the area we wanted to touch on today is, you know, what that was for you. And normally this is something that we encounter early on in our life. You know, I know for myself, I've said it, that it was grade eight that I first got introduced to porn. You were old. I was old. So many guys are younger. Yeah. I was younger than yeah, that. Yeah, that, that is old. Mind you, internet was like probably barely invented back then. Oh, yeah. it's true. And that just shows how old I am. Thanks for bringing that up, by the way. But yeah, it was a magazine. So, you know, this, I didn't even have internet back then. So that's, yeah. you know, dinosaurs roamed the earth back then. And yeah, it was grade eight. But for you, we wanted to start there. You know, what did that look like for you? And how did you get introduced to porn? Sure. I think um, my earliest memory would have been grade six and somebody like printed off of their computer like some images so they were like pretty small images but that would have been 
yeah, grade six in the town called Huendon, Alberta, that I was living in at the time. Huendon. That was the first Huendon. That was the first encounter <laughs> I had. I didn't know you lived in Huendon. I don't even know where yeah, that is. is are yeah. you sure that exists? <laughs> I was there for three and a half years. I don't know if it exists anymore. It was so small that it might just not exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've driven by it. I remember I was driving to Saskatchewan one day and I blinked and I was like, oh, wait, what? I, I just went yeah. through a town. It was in my rearview mirror. So <laughs> there's not much yeah. there, but I have been there. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So it's basically a printing of something off the uh, screen. What did yeah, that do for you? Cool. Yeah, like what? Like did it you know awaken a curiosity and you wanted to figure out how to how to find more of this? Yeah, I guess like after grade six, like moving forward, it would have been finding shows on TV and then like some late night stuff. So, you know, parents would go to bed and start watching some stuff on TV late night that would would have some nudity in it. And that was probably the when when I can remember that things really would have started down this path so I don't know that might have been like probably sometime in junior high is when that that process would have really started taking off would you just spend hours watching like trying to find a show flicking through or not even necessarily hours but maybe may half an hour an hour or whatever and just like kind of be frustrated oh you can yeah. right I can relate to that yeah, too for sure like browsing through and like oh somebody's got to have like a side nip or something where <laughs> uh, we can see you know see something so yeah totally i mean there was there was times of of actively looking for it for sure and so you're that's where you are you're actively looking for it in your teen years maybe getting you know getting to see some things a little bit more than than what you've seen before and it's pulling you in deeper and deeper was it something for you that really progressed rapidly or was it was it just kind of a periphery thing in your life in that point or did it really become a central thing I think it was always from that point became something sort of in the background. I would honestly say that things ramped up probably like I got my first, this is going to age me, my first cell phone when I was like 19 years old. Yeah, that's old. Um, <laughs> and so that would have been the first time that there would have been like unlimited in a sense access online where I didn't really have to spend a lot of time going to find it um it was just more easily accessible quick yeah and it's amazing how from that first time finding it all of a sudden now you're years later and you're like oh it's on my phone now i can see it anytime and you don't realize and, from that first time right so yeah that that kind of probably would have been that process yeah 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 the first time that i saw it i remember it was a friend he didn't print off a picture for me he sh sh just showed me online but he he was a guy who printed off pictures to bring to school to sell i guess it's different like not everybody had <laughs> Whoa, like cell the, phones. the black market <laughs> pornography <laughs> wow. exactly yeah. and he was bragging about it. he's like this is basically my business so he's showing me like the, the behind the scenes of his business it's crazy <laughs> But then I remember I just was, I kept thinking like, by the time I get married, I'll quit. Um, but I also yeah. would think, you know, when, like if I were able to live alone, that'd be sweet or have my own credit card, that'd be sweet. And then I remember I got older and I never did use a credit card, but I lived alone and I got a phone and I'm like, oh, here I am. But it's not nearly as glamorous as I ever, as I always thought it was as a kid. Cause now I just have so much guilt and shame. But, um, but it was crazy seeing like the dream kind of perverted dream that I had actually became <laughs> yeah. real and you don't realize you'll, you'll get there, but it happens sooner than you think. Eh? Yeah. And then, so you have the cell phone. I can imagine like, I mean, if I'm thinking, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, Keith, but I, the cell phones back then were terrible, you know? <laughs> so oh, and, like, yeah. And they were, and I mean, it was like, 
yeah they weren't like good quality for sure yeah um, probably took you like 25 minutes just to upload one video <laughs> or not a video a picture right it was like yeah like i think what sort of like compounded the problem for me would have been i was in like bible college when this was happening as well mm -hmm. and i remember oh man this was like i don't even know what year of bible college i was in but i was like working one night using computer at the church i was attending and I, like you just do the stupidest things right and so I'm like, hey, maybe I should see if I can find something on this church computer, which is like, looking back now, it's like, what an idiot. <laughs> um, I also didn't understand. So, you know, look it up. And then the pastor knew that I was at the church and he calls me up. He's like, hey, like, just so you know, like, we know you were here and you were looking stuff up. And so I just want to come talk to you about that. And he was just like, he was really good with it. But I, I remember that moment as one where it's like oh man i need to shake this off and it just it was just one of those moments where you're like i need to shake this off but that was kind of it never did mm. yeah i mean that happens for so many where you you get caught or exposed or whatever happens or you just feel so guilty you're like i gotta stop this but you don't know what to do you don't know how to stop right. were there any other those big moments where where maybe somebody told you you had to quit or somebody told you you had a problem or you got exposed in some way Oh, yeah. So I would have been, I don't even know how old I would have been. I would have been like, I don't know, 20, 21 or 22. I remember it was like looking at like a lot of porn. And I mean, in those days of cell phone use, I mean, you pay for like such a small amount of data. Yeah. Like it just, data wasn't really like a thing that was hugely available. So it'd be like 500 gigs or 400 gigs of data is what you'd pay for. Yeah. And I remember I was sitting like in my car and I was working construction at the time. And I remember getting a call from my cell phone carrier provider and the guy comes on the phone. He's like, Hey, is this Keith? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, I got to talk to you about something. I'm like, Oh, okay. He's like, I have a bill sitting in front of me that is for $15,000. <laughs> oh, um, I was like, huh? He's like, yeah, like I, like we're talking five figures here. Oh no. Um, and I was just like, I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to buy my car all over again. <laughs> um, and, and he says on the other end of the line, he's like, you know, like you need to get some help because what you're doing is not good. And I was like, first of all, in my head, I'm like, did I just like talk to an angel? Um, <laughs> like what, what the heck? Like, how does this guy know? And he said, we're not gonna, we're not gonna make you pay for this, but you need to go, you need to go get this sorted out and figured out. Wow. And, uh, I just like, I remember hanging up the phone and I was just like $15,000 of pixelated distorted images on a old school flip phone it's a lot of awkward porn, but that was like, I just remember sitting there and I was just like, what on earth am I doing? Mm. And you would think at that point, that would have been like the final straw in the wake up Colin. And unfortunately it, it wasn't, but that I do remember that moment is when I started being like, okay, this is something I at least need to engage some other people in dialogue. In. Yeah. And you know, understand that it may never be like completely solved or fixed in my life or the temptation is, is going to continue, but at least I need to find some people that, that I can trust that I can go through life and talk about this with. And so that was probably like 
that scenario and it's crazy like i still look back now and i'm just like i cannot believe like when brad and you were like oh we should talk about this i'm just like yeah like i cannot believe that was a real story in my life but that would have been a pretty big moment i think for me to help me down a path that is hopefully seeing some positive results come out of yeah you know i i typically wouldn't be looking to get advice from a telus or bell or rogers person but you know <laughs> That's amazing who God uses, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Some random dude on the other end of the phone telling me it's time to get help. Yeah, yeah, man. So then that happened. I'm sure you had other moments, but what choices did you have to make moving out of that? Because often, you know, when you're struggling with porn, you just hope it goes away on its own, but it doesn't work like that. So what uh, what were some choices you had to make coming out of there and maybe some of those other moments that kind of shook you and you're like, man, I need to get some help? Yeah, I mean, that's... That's so true that you're just like, oh, I can get out of this, you know, quitting's easy. I've done it hundreds of times kind of thing. Right. But that, that I think is the thing is you just think you can walk that or, or move out of that alone. And I think so much of that is just like the shame that exists around the idea of board and not being able to talk to anyone. And so I think as you begin to talk to more people, you realize and in a lot of cases, like in the context from people that I would be close to, like guys, that it, you're, it's not an isolated incident of just you. And so it, it is more common. And so I think I, I found that that's been positive, that it's, it's not just like a Keith problem that I need to deal with completely on my own. And it's not like, it doesn't need to shake my faith that God doesn't love me, you know, just because I, I struggle with it. And so there's always like that, that shame and man, like this is God must just think I'm a terrible person. And, you know, you kind of go through all those emotions and just to know that lots of other, other people have gone through it and that are, are open and willing to share stories, I think was, was an important piece for me. That's so true. I remember so many times sitting in church on Sunday and looking around and being like, man, I'm the only person here struggling and like nobody knows what I did last night but then you start talking you're like man there were other people in that congregation thinking the exact same thing and you were at a different church thinking it Brad was at a different church thinking it and we're so not alone and we're made for relationship but this thing just wants to keep us quiet I was reminded when you're talking about this story in Luke 7 where the 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 sinner she comes to eat at the Pharisee's house when she realizes that Jesus is there and she's worshiping him and she won't look at him in the eyes because she just stays behind him because she can't look him in the eyes. She doesn't feel like she's worthy and she's worshiping him. And, and Jesus is so loving and he, he turns around and looks at her. And, he, and then he says that like where the Pharisees are saying that she is a great sinner and Jesus is like, no, she has great love. And it's just such a different mindset because we just think we're in such sin. Like, well, I don't know if I'm even saved. I don't know if I can go to God. God's like, if you just come to me even a little bit with like the weakness that you have and worship me to the degree that you think you can, I'm going to recognize that. I'm going to yeah. say that you have great love. And it sounds like that's what kind of what you did. Like you didn't think that you could maybe go to him fully, but you had that conviction at least that you're like, I, I want to get free, right? Like, I don't know exactly how or what, what it looks like, but I at least want to. Right? Does that kind of sound yeah. familiar? Yeah, and that that's it. I mean, I I knew I didn't want to because I mean, just the like, if nothing else, to not have the feelings of guilt and shame, right? Like, that probably was even the primary motivating factor. I'm just like want to get out of that and and realizing that the Holy Spirit was like working and moving me to that direction. And so, 
yeah, it wasn't for not wanting to, but there was definitely like you said, like just the hesitancy or the shame of what it was and, and the same, the same prayer over and over again, you know, Oh, screwed this up again, mess mm-hmm. this up again. Yeah, It's like, why can't I just figure this out? But yeah, you know, God just keeps coming back and is, is there. So how do you think it affected your work in ministry? Man, it was like always at the back of my mind. Like I was youth pastoring for a while and I'm like talking to, to guys about like porn and I'm like, Ugh. like I, I've been there and I, I, I can talk through that and have experience in that. And, and I think the challenge was like, I never felt like, and even to this day, I'm like, man, I still given the opportunity, want to look at porn. And so I think for me, that was always like, man, my head, how am I able to pastor these guys that are struggling with this, knowing that I have the same internal battle going on. But I think also it it gave some common ground because it's like, this isn't, this isn't just a you thing. So I'm like, man, if I had, if I had known when I was 12 years old or 13 years old in grade six and seven, if this had been more talked about at that time, I really think it would have been hugely beneficial. I just remember a lot of times people would talk about it so awkwardly that it's like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to share what I'm doing because you're kind of just making this into like a joke or you'd have once a, once a year in youth, you'd go through, you know, February, the love thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't ever like, I felt like, man, this is something that I could probably get help. And it just wasn't even talked about a lot then. So I've looked at ministry with it as an opportunity to, to maybe help on the front line, some of these kids that are maybe just diving in. But a lot of the kids I talked to have already been exposed for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and so you're already like behind the eight ball significantly by the time you're you know, in a position where you can talk or yeah. bring some help. So I think it, it has been it's been, I guess, good that I've been able to use it and bring that common ground. But in the same vein, I'm like, man, it just continues to be something that just seems to be present inside of me, right? Right. So if you kind of taken off um, of that thought, and if you were to kind of look at this from 10,000 feet, uh, maybe your past and even for other people, like like kids coming up now, what do you think needs to change so that there's a culture where people can talk about this and the shame doesn't push them underground? What What are some things you would think, even even in Bible school, right? We both went, you know, like, and yeah. we know what that's yeah. like. So what, what do you think some things need to, to be shifted or changed so that someone who's struggling with this can actually talk about it and understand the steps they need to take to get help? I think one of the challenges is that those that are talking aren't necessarily willing to talk in depth and there was a time where I wasn't either because you're struggling or feeling the shame of your own guilt and it's like how can I talk about this and lead people through it when you know I've got my own shame and guilt that I'm trying to work through in this and it's like I you don't want to be like this hypocritical in nature and so I think I think we've kind of gone to the point where we we don't go deep because there's too much shame or guilt in our own life and so it it kind of just like continues the pattern that it's not an open and engaged dialogue because I think there's just so many people that struggle that are just not willing to, maybe not willing is not the right word, but maybe even able to in their own minds uh, speak truth to it because they're like, man, if I could, what I'm saying, I should be applying and I can't even apply it to my own life. So 
how do I speak it with authority over someone else's life? Yeah. And there's merit to it too, where people are struggling and they're like, I think they feel that because they want to speak with authority or they feel like this is something that people have to hear it from somebody with authority. So there's merit to that. But if, if somebody's struggling to teach it, if someone's a seminary or pastor, like go get a hold of a ministry, go get hold of somebody else, somebody else on staff, maybe, or whatever, like it's so important. So when somebody's struggling, they're like, I don't have the authority. I don't think I can do this. Well, that means that there's going to be how many tens or hundreds or whatever of people that aren't hearing the message of hope and freedom. So I just think it's so important. That's why we have our ministry and different ministries around North America and the world are doing this because we can talk with that depth and authority that maybe some people don't have. And it's not that they're bad. It's that that's not their area of focus or that hasn't been their victory yet. So I just think it's so important for us to all get outside of ourselves and realize we can always call on like an associate pastor or call on somebody else on staff at a seminary or whatever and and get somebody talking because it's like you guys say, I, I didn't go to Bible school, but you guys did. And it's just so not talked about for all these people coming up and being the next generation and wave of pastors and yet it's not talked about. So it's so important that we do that. Yeah. And I, and I think there's huge, like we look at this, I think from such a, you know, youth and kids context, but it's even the ability for dads to talk to their, their kids about this. There's just, there's not a lot of tools, you know, that to help equip dads to go and have this discussion with their kids. I mean, I remember man, like, whatever again grade five grade six having like the sex talk and it was like it was awkward and my like a dad did what he you know you have the one the talk one time in your life and that was kind of just like the sex talk right but it's like the ongoing dialogue and discussion and i mean i look at my kids now i've got a seven-year-old a five-year-old and a three-year-old this idea of like pornography and purity is is already needs to be something that's coming up in our dialogue and conversation and so it just becomes more of more of an ongoing discussion versus a once one time sex talk and that's it i mean there's so many challenges that exist in technology and what that is is doing to kids that parents just also and especially dads i think in a lot of cases just need to be equipped just to have those conversations with their kids and be vulnerable and just share their experience but i also think there's probably a lot of shame in in that as well Mm -hmm. so i i think it's like it's not just even pastors talking to students but how do we get parents having an ongoing dialogue and discussion with their kids yeah on this and maybe it helps some kids to not fall down this trap or if they do there's an understanding in the home that it's safe that we talk about it and there's there's not judgment and we work through it as right. a family right and you know i'd love to get your perspective on this too because you you deal with kids and teens that maybe you know, they haven't had that and not that we want to highlight maybe you know the dirt in, in people's lives but you have as in your ministry seen the real effects of what happens to kids and youth and teens when maybe this has gripped their life and they, they can't break free. So maybe comment on that a little bit about, you know, what you've seen with that. Yeah, I think it just continues to help perpetuate some of the problems is that we've got kids and youth that have experienced either violence or abuse in their own their own life from from a parent. And that just brings them into this identity crisis that is there and it just seems like pornography or just the the whole sexual side of things is is the step that the kids go into 
And it just creates this environment where it's just super unhealthy. And so, you know, it just creates these unrealistic or very unhealthy ideas as far as like women and sexuality and how to treat other people. And I just, I've seen, you know, throughout the years of, of being at Shiloh and, and youth pastoring, just the, the damage that can be done by person's actions on their kids and how that just escalates. And so, yeah, we kind of are, are in this world now where you've been exposed to porn for a long time and it, it becomes something that is more hardcore and you, you escalate within your, your consumption of it. It just begins to degrade humans and people. And so it just, it just creates this vicious cycle that I don't have, I don't have an answer on how to step into that and, and help cause a break in that, but it just, it's such a destructive pattern that really can start with pornography and can escalate from there. Yeah. And you don't even realize how it's degrading. Like you get into porn and then you hear buddies, you know, making crude jokes and you just think that that's normal. And I remember, I remember going through that and then becoming an adult and going to in Edmonton here, it's called, it's called the project. There's a huge young adults uh, service here in Edmonton. That's actually the first time I, I don't know, Keith, if you and I met, but I heard about you. I was just probably intimidated by your, your power and your greatness <laughs> and your reputation. He's a mountain of a man, by the way. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's, thanks, he's, for, thanks for lying. To about my yeah, I know you listeners, you always hear me talk about Braden's arms, but Keith's are something different even oh, than Brad. It makes so. me look like twigs. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. something else, but. <laughs> I, need, I need to go do uh, some push-ups right now. <laughs> well, you could probably do a hundred, no problem. But, um, but I remember walking around the project and just thinking, I don't I, like. There's not even one person or girl here who's attractive, and that wasn't the case. But just in my mind, I'm like, nobody measures up. Like nobody's beautiful. Yeah. It degrades you, even subconsciously. Like degrades your mind, degrades how you see other people, to the point where you can't see value, you can't see beauty. And other people. So even if we're not outwardly or, or intentionally or whatever, directly violent towards somebody, it's still degrading in the sense that we don't see the value in them. Uh, and there's so much damage in that. So it's a real thing. And Keith, I'm, I'm glad that you're sharing your story and that you've come to the point, obviously, as we do and when we grow up and we reflect. I mean, not every adult does reflect. That's, that's another thing, too, that some guys watch 30, 40 years of pornography and never think about what it's doing to them or why they're doing it. But you've got to that point, and I'm just curious, being a dad and you've got two girls, has that affected your view of pornography at all? Oh, yeah. And like I've mentioned before, it's it does. It never really took such a significant impact until I had, like, my own girls. And you realize, man, you know, you look back and you're like, all those videos and images, like, those are somebody's kids. Mm-hmm. And here I am just again looking at videos or images of like somebody's like little girl at one point. And it's just, yeah, it kind of just brings this whole realization and kind of brings it full circle to just the disgustingness of it. And then I'm like, oh man, what a, can't believe like that was stuff that I did. And I just, you know, you kind of just this whole range of emotions are just like, man. Yeah. It puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it hits close to home. And uh, I think it's just the fact that, um, there's, there's a person behind the screen, you know, that we often, when you struggle with porn, these aren't real people to you, right? They're, they're, they're just like a a video game almost that are, that's causing you this, this rush that of course you're, you're, you know, you want to get, you want more of it, but you don't realize there's people. 
they're humans. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when, when you see your daughters, it's, it puts things in perspective. So yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. And I'll, and I'll just add one more, like I have, sure. and my son, I mean, he's three now. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that conversation when it comes again, I, I want this to be an ongoing dialogue and discussion within our family and not just a one-time thing. So mm-hmm. I want him to, to know that it's something a is going to be exposed to. And when he does, it's, it's okay to talk about yeah. because I just know the, the challenges in my own life and the struggles in my life. And if I just do not want that for him. That's been one of the best things I think that has happened is that parents have had to think hard and long about how do I talk to my kids about this? It's so accessible. It's there. And I don't want them to go through the same thing I did. And um, so I think we've all had those thoughts, right? So, so we were talking with Josh McDowell, about that. And he said the same thing, you know, we need to teach parents and equip parents to be able to talk to their kids and create a safe environment that they can, they feel safe enough to come to, to mom or dad and not feel like they're condemned, that um, anger is going to meet their, their confession. It'll be more so, Hey, let's talk about this. And I love you, you know, so having that different mindset is going to create more safety and security. And then I think help kids, you know, when they do encounter it, cause you're right. They are going to encounter it. We can't, you know, you can't protect them fully from it. You do your best, but I mean, look at the world we're in, right? So, yeah. so when they do encounter it, that they can talk to mom and dad about this and go from there. So I think that's a great thought. I look at what kids are consuming and I think I've, I've heard a lot of parents say, well, I don't understand it. So, you know, I don't even know how to talk to my kids about it. And I think that it's a pretty dangerous statement not about necessarily understanding all the nuances of social media but again just knowing and helping your kids to engage in dialogue and providing an outlet for them i mean kids they they're going to choose to or not i mean you can't force them to talk to you but if there's at least the knowledge that the house and home is a safe space where you can have this dialogue i think that's the first step and so i think that's just it's super important Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, yeah, the idea that, man, yeah, we're not, no one's an island unto themselves and you're not alone in this. And when you start talking to people and in a lot of cases, getting the courage to, to speak to people about it, about porn and just some of the challenges and struggles, you, you realize pretty quick that people aren't full of judgment. People want to help. Yeah. And people are still, you know, in process and struggling as well. And so you, by you approaching or talking to someone may be a welcome for them as well because maybe they're in the same boat that they're looking or too scared to take the first step. And so by you taking that first step, you may help yourself and one other person and you may not even know it when you take that step. So Totally. That was true for me. People coming into my life and being willing to talk about it made me not necessarily comfortable, but at least, well, I kind of, I honestly, I kind of felt forced to talk about it. I'm like, ah, they, they're talking <laughs> yeah. about it. Now I have to talk about it. Yeah, you're, It's a little bit, uh, yeah. Which is not bad sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's never going to be comfortable, especially the first time. So, so it is true, man. Thanks for, 
sharing your story and sharing your thoughts and your wisdom, Keith. We really appreciate it. And you listening, hope that you can you can take something, whether you're a parent or not. There's just so much that Keith was able to touch on from his story that we can always pull. And so um, for you guys to keep in touch in different ways, you can follow us on Instagram if you're on Instagram, Braden's Ministry Family or at Family Life Canada and Restored is at Restored underscore community. You can definitely uh, give our pages a follow there. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can subscribe on any app or purevictorypodcast.com. And thanks for hanging out uh, and fighting this fight with us, this war on porn and being a part of our tribe. We love doing this with you and we'll chat next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.